0: Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters, located in Indianapolis, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Josh Roller. Again, live from Charlotte, Uh, we have a great and fun show planned for you today and this week. Uh, Supercars made their 2023 debut over the weekend, and with it, the new Gen 3 car and, for the first time, down under, Chevrolet Camaro. Uh, So we'll talk about those races and the NASCAR races from Phoenix, along with all the news and debate topics from this week in racing. So Josh, I think without any, I mean, there's nothing else I can really say that I haven't already said in that uh, little interview there, other than the fact that we are actually recording this, Josh, this is kind of wild fun fact. Uh, As we're recording this, as you're listening to this, it's the three year anniversary of when everything shut down from COVID. So fun fact, fun fact of it is. Let's see, uh, around March 10th, 11th, 12th, this whole week.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right, it is. Um, and then on Our Monday, it was it was the Monday, because uh, it was the Monday after that, was I went home from Charlotte Motor Speedway for my internship uh, and, and told it was going to be two weeks. And I, I walked out of there like, nope, ain't going to be two weeks.
0: So, uh, But that, hey, that that all gave us uh, growing ex- experiences. So yeah. let's uh, go ahead and uh, I will fade out the music here and we will jump right on into some of the news because uh, this is a different news week because unlike that, we don't have any Formula One news to talk about. Well, we have some, but not much. Uh, we're going to actually start out with some IMSA news this year, this week. Uh, more on this later in the show. The uh, overall winner of the 24 Hours of Daytona, Meyer shank Racing, has been penalized for n- manipulating tire pressure data. MSR accepted the penalties, and the team parted ways with the persons responsible for this infraction. IMSA fined the team 200 points as well as 200 driver points, and $50,000 uh, was applied as a fine, and with the team also being placed on probation through June 30th. So big, big IMSA news. Again, it's interesting to see all of this come out. Uh, it, it kind of a return of the encumbered win, I guess you could say. Uh,
1: we'll talk more about that in the show.
0: We'll talk, we'll talk more about this as we get later into the show. So everybody, I just want you to stay tuned for that. Remember, there's no ads here. We don't run we don't ads on the show unless I particularly like a product. I'm going to advertise free about them. Otherwise, uh, there's no ads. So you don't have to like wait around. Uh, until we get to it, we will we will get to it, I promise. Uh, but for now, let's move on into some NASCAR news. Is NASCAR has unveiled the names and race lengths for the uh, Chicago Street Course Weekend. The Cup Series race will be called the Grant Park 220, which will be a 220-mile race with 100 laps. The Xfinity Series race will be called the Loop 121, a 121-mile 121 race with 55 laps. Uh, kind of interesting names there, though I will say uh, something interesting. This is the only thing that I'm going to say about this. That's mildly off-topic. Uh, one of the neat things in Grid Autosport, which is a game that has been out for over almost a decade now, um, and honestly, I feel bad because I'm just I just recently got around to playing it like a couple of years ago when it came out on the Switch. But one of my favorite things is there is there's a a fantasy track of a Chicago st- of a street race around Chicago. And it's it's literally called the loop. And so now whenever I see that, the loop 121, I think it, it I inadvertently want to think it's like a race around this fictional racetrack that just so happens to be in a street course in Chicago that's in grid autosport. Go figure. I,
1: yeah, that I never heard of this, though. This is Grid Autosport. You've
0: never heard of Grid Autosport? The game's been around for like a decade, dude. What? It was made it, by Codemasters. It had an indie. It had the Indy car in it. It had the DW12 in it. Like when it, it was like one of the first video games that had the DW12 in it.
1: Unless I'm just blanking, I don't think I've heard of this game.
0: You, you don't play much games. You, you it, No, when, I
1: seriously don't. Though that that's very true. I don't not play a whole lot of video games anymore.
0: I could send um, you NR2003. You could have a field day with it. But I, I don't could. know that you play it.
1: He could, he could, but I did want to say one thing. Did you see what Adam Stern tweeted about the Chicago Street Course race today? Ah, uh, not today, not not today, Monday. No, it's like NASCAR's proud of this. They're expecting fifty thousand people each day at the Chicago Street Course, and I am thinking, hold on, let me check the comments to see if I am right. Then I go into comments. Oh yeah, I was right. Road America had a hundred thousand people there, like every day. Uh, for for the NASCAR weekend. So NASCAR is proud of this 50,000 person attendance per day. That's horrible. And someone then pointed out, which was like the total roast of the century. Formula One is drawing 100,000 people per day and the tickets cost five, twice as much, or five times as much. Yeah, more like five times, not twice as much. And less. then the other part of this... They couldn't find someone to sponsor this race. They're coming out with the grant now. Grant it granite, grant, granite, grant. Um, it is. I like the names, but why couldn't you have found in certain company here, Grant Park? No Chicago-based company wanted to step up. That's my that's my deal. Well, there's not a whole lot of Chicago-based companies. They're all pulling out. But mm. there's not another Illinois-based company that you couldn't find or. In Wisconsin or or Indiana or Michigan, someone there. Yeah, like northwest
0: Not, Indiana. I mean the region's gotta have some something up there. Yeah, well it's like
1: this is bad. You know, this is I dude, this is gonna be a one and done. I think the new mayor there, I know we talked about Oh a god, bit. yeah. We haven't even we haven't even gotten
0: on to the fact that there was a whole new election with a new mayor that probably is gonna reevaluate
1: this contract. Yes, it's uh yeah. So, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other discussion on itself. But I just thought this was that was crazy that they announced this, no sponsors, and then that they're proud and they're louding that. Oh yeah, we're expecting fifty thousand people there. I'm like, what? That's
0: we're expecting horrible. this relatively low number, which is about as many people as like what the brickyard pulled. Yeah,
1: I mean. Yeah, it's kinda of, you're 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 talking yeah, that's not it's not a good level to be at and be bragging about when you have you have a lot more space for I don't know, man. It's just I was it's just thousand could about. probably
0: could probably make the stands at Chicagoland look pretty full.
1: Correct?
0: Just saying. Correct. Just saying. I, I know I'm beating a dead horse on that and people are gonna be oh shut up, shut up. You uh we don't want to hear about this anymore. But it's it's i mean come on i mean mean, again my whole thing on this chicago street race thing is if this is a one and done cool fine if this leads us to nascar at long beach cool but we don't need this and we don't need this any more than like a couple of years this is not something that is going to be i assume very popular around the streets of chicago this is this is a very bold move that NASCAR is taking, probably bolder than putting the Clash in the Coliseum. Yeah, and yeah. there's already a ton of pushback from it.
1: Yeah, well, and they, the funny thing is, they moved that festival that they, that they basically said we're kicking out of Chicago on the weekend. For oh, this. that's right. I They're heard about to that. Chicagoland Speedway. They're kicking. What world are we? What what? What I know, I mentioned it earlier, but I'm gonna say it again. What Marvel universe are we living in, where that is a thing? Can Doctor Strange explain this to me? You got me. I this is this is all bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah. So I think we could talk about Chicago all day long. What's the next yeah. piece of news? Well, I could talk
0: about Chicago and how much I hate driving in Chicago. Oh,
1: I, I think cool. Chicago is
0: a is a fine city. Personally, as as a Midwesterner, I like I like Chicago, but I will I will just say that. I have not had pleasant experiences driving in Chicago ever. Now now I don't know what it's. Maybe it's because I'm an Indiana driver and people say Indiana drivers, we suck. People say that we drive
1: I got news for you, car- move to North Carolina, you're gonna find worse drivers. Worse. And
0: I'm I, I'm not saying like Chicago drivers bad, because keep in mind, I drive my fair share of four sixty-five every day. I've seen some bad driving. <laughs> but I think it's the sheer volume of cars in Chicago that oh, are yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is.
1: Yeah, I, I think
0: if there were less cars, it wouldn't be as like as scary for me. I guess I I'd say I feel weird saying that because like normally I'm not scared driving, but if I'm driving my road car around four sixty five, I kind of know what to expect. If I'm in Chicago, I'm not regularly going to Chicago. There's right. a lot more cars that I'm used to now, so. You know, I'm not from L.A. I've never been to L.A. I don't know what L.A. traffic is like. But if it's anything like Chicago traffic, it sounds like another place I'd rather not go to. Right. Um, but but again. I'm not going to catch a flight from Indianapolis to Chicago O'Hare because that's a waste of time and money. Yeah. So it's kind of like I guess I have to suck it up and just drive. I don't know. It sure would uh it sure would have been nice if they had the IMSA, if they had actually brought the Imsa race series series there like they originally yes. planned. because uh, yes. then I probably could have actually gone and covered that race. Uh would have been cool. Um Enough of my pity party. Uh I will talk about something else that is actually this came out of completely left field. I didn't know how this happened. This has gotta be the most bizarre thing. This has gotta be the like what? Where did, did this not come have from? Have this on
1: my 2023 checklist.
0: No, Ed Jones. Yes, the Ed Jones that used to run an IndyCar, car. The same Ed Jones that was, has has British parents, but was born in Dubai, and his name is Ed Jones. <laughs> uh, is going to make his NASCAR debut driving for Young's Motorsports in the uh, Craftsman Truck Series race at Circuit of the Americas. So yes, Ed Jones, uh, former Indy 500 rookie, of the now. He lost that Indy 500 Rookie of the Year. He should have had that. That was the year that uh, he was a rookie. When um, the year that uh, that Alonzo um, was uh, there, uh, he finished third. He finished third, but he didn't get Rookie of the Year. I forgot about that. He should yes. have gotten. He should have statistically maybe he should have gotten it, but that's a controversy that'll go for a long, long, long time. This is why they need co-Rookies of the Year. At, at the 500 again you need to bring that back like they i understand awarding the award to someone who represents the spirit of the race i get that but you should also be giving an award to the highest finishing rookie and the highest and the one that qualifies the best you know if that's kind of what we're looking for here now again jimmy johnson last year kind of made more sense then David Malukas. David Malukas didn't really make much noise on qualifying day where, it, or even on race day for that matter, whereas Jimmy Johnson actually made noise. Qualify, he put the car in a fast, fast nine, um, or just outside the fast nine, I can't remember. Um, this is getting off topic. What am I talking
1: about? Here? I don't remember. You, you you remember this better than I I was haven't. talking I about Ed
0: Jones and how he should have been <laughs> Indy 500 Rookie of the Year in 2017, but it was given to Alonzo. And I erroneously stated that he was the rookie of the year and I was wrong. He was the highest finishing rookie that year. And I went, I had to correct myself, but then also rant. But yeah, Ed Jones is making his NASCAR debut, which again is wild. People are going to be like, wow, Ed Jones, wonder where he's from Dubai. Yeah. A lot of NASCAR fans going to have that same realization. here pretty soon. Um, speaking of, uh, new cars, this could be fun. Um, We've got Spire Motorsports expanding into the Xfinity Series with the number 77 Chevrolet for six races with Carson Hosevar. Those races will be Dover, Charlotte, Nashville, Michigan, Darlington, and Bristol. Cool, Michigan. Sweet. Um, I might see him then uh, if I get to go, if I have money. Someone hire me. Um, Josh Berry drove in place at Chase Elliott at Phoenix, and it has been announced. Uh, Actually, ironically, we, we released the podcast like the day that it was announced. Yes, that Barry was going to take over, so that kind of couldn't have gone any worse, but go figure. Um but Barry is going to be driving the car in place of Elliot on all of the oval races until Chase Elliot gets uh gets better. And then uh making his NASCAR debut is none other than Jordan Taylor aka Rodney Sandstorm. Uh he's going to drive number 9 at Circuit of the Americas. So Circuit of the Americas is basically going to be the most stacked car stack Card like in NASCAR history for a while because I'm here. Here's here's just uh, here's more of the news of who's coming up, who's going to be racing this Cup race at COTA. We've got now Jordan Taylor, as I just said, uh, and now uh, we found out randomly out of nowhere last last week that. 2009 F1 world champion J- Jensen Button is going to make his NASCAR debut at Coda and drive the number 15 for Wick- Wick- Rick Ware Racing with support from Mobile One and Stuart Haas Racing. He's also going to race the Chicago street course and the Indianapolis road course. Yep. Wow, okay. Uh, and then um, Button then shared on Race Hub that he wouldn't rule out racing an oval in the future. So okay, this is happening. Uh, and then uh, let's just add, uh, Let's let's pull out another list uh, another entry into the coda pool because kimmy raikkonen is in is returning to project 91 for track house as well so kimmy raikkonen so we got the 2007 world uh drivers champions in kimmy raikkonen and the 2009 world drivers champion in jensen button making uh nascar debuts along with again like i said old rodney Stant sandstorm and then yep. let's just let's just increase the card even more and throw in seven-time NASCAR Cup Champion and 2022 IndyCar Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, uh Jimmy Johnson. Um let's just throw him in there for good measure and uh you got yourself a stacked little race coming up here later this month. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this race now all of a sudden. This is and I I I wow i i genuinely cannot ra- wait for this race i don't care if it rains great if it doesn't rain if it's beautiful sunshine, great i don't care just i want this race to happen um so we got all those notes about the uh the the series uh for coda but we got a new we we did get a an announcement for the dirt race the bristol dirt race in on on easter colleague racing has added uh Jonathan Davenport to drive the team's number 13 Nutrient Ag Solutions Chevrolet at the Bristol Dirt Track Dirt Race. Uh, Jonathan Davenport, a, a legend in the Dirt Late Model racing community. So, very big pickup there. Kind of cool, just like last year when Chris Wyndham was running for, uh, well, one of the years that Chris Wyndham ran for 21, I think it was 21. It was 21, 21
1: he ran, ran for Rick Ware. For, yeah. yeah,
0: ran for Rick, Rick Ware. That was cool. When Buddy Kofoyd ran, uh, he ran for KBM. I think in yes. In, in the truck race, there was a uh,
1: lot more dirt ringers in 21 than it was in 22. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, the thing that's nice is we get in the return of the road course ringer at Coda, uh, and we're still seeing some dirt ringers being added to yeah. to the card at, at 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 Bristol. So that's that's kind of nice. I think I think that's one of the neat things about NASCAR is when you you see them go to different race tracks like this, you see these kind of ringers come in. Mm-hmm. You know they they come in. And may, they might not maybe win the race. They might not have a great opportunity to win the race, but the great publicity, you know, yeah. the great publicity, someone who specializes in this kind of background going up against people who specialize in driving this type of car. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's always neat to see. It always intrigued me as a kid. I always loved I mean, I'm, I could still, I could still call myself a big fan of Boris said, uh, I love Boris said, my dad loved Boris said, uh, how could you not love Boris said? Uh, the man's name was Boris said, we still don't know what he said. Uh we never will. Um and he had great hair. Absolutely great hair. Great hair. Had the said hair. The said head. You had you were said head. My dad was a big said head. Um so you know it it I missed that. I miss those times of old when Boris Ed would come in. So it's nice to see uh Formula One drivers that I grew up watching now come in and become those road course riggers, not just random Trans Am stars I never heard of when I was a kid because I didn't watch Trans Am. Yeah. <laughs> It's back, back in, back when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, who are the ringers? Oh, I recognize uh, Boris Sed and Ron Fellows and these guys. I don't know who they are. Oh, they all are. And then me watching Trans Am races on YouTube like 10 years later. Oh, now I know who these people are. <laughs> I recognize that face. There we go. Thank you for re-educating myself. You know, this is, this is stages of motorsport fandom. This is what happens um let's see uh next piece of nascar news here willie b william byron will make three craftsman truck series starts for kyle bush motorsports driver the number 51 with hendrickcars.com sponsorship he will race at bristol dirt darlington and north wilkesboro and i guess that kind of bummed out kyle bush he wanted to run a north wilkesboro race but i guess they kind of sold the sponsorship for willie b uh for that race well he so already figured. had his
1: five races lined up i know i
0: know. It, it, look if it was up to kyle this whole five race limit thing gets it's running away, and it's up to me. It it goes away too. Uh, I don't I don't care When anybody says. I do not care. Cup drivers in the Xfinity series was not a bad thing. Y'all are making it out way worse than it was. They still produce good racing. You're just mad because Timmy Hill is not a five time Nationwide champion. That's all you're mad about. It's why you guys are mad. You guys think that Timmy Hill should have been the one winning races in 2012, and not Carl Edwards, and Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick. I'm just pulling that name out of a hat. That was one of the back markers in in the Nationwide Series back then.
1: But you are pulling that name out of a hat, yeah.
0: It could, but, it could just about bet anyway. It could bet Steve Wallace for all I care. I don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah. Would Come Would in. you
0: like to live in a world where Steve Wallace is a is a champion? Because that's what you're look. That's what you're coming for when you're when you're asking for this stuff. <laughs> you want to take um, Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski, Carl Edwards. You would take them all out of the Nationwide Series. Well, that's what you're going to get. Stephen Light and 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 you get Steve Grissom 22.0 is what you're getting. You get a bunch of Steve Grissom 2.0s. That's what you're getting, guys.
1: Oh, that's how he actually used a name that won a Bush championship back in the day.
0: Yeah, and what did he do in Cup? Zilch. Exactly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna argue with me on that and say oh companies oh, they ruin all the nationwide races they're always ruining the bush races the bushwhackers are the worst thing in the world we gotta get rid of the bushwhackers
1: okay elmer Fudd, read the last point <laughs>
0: kyle larson is going to drive at sonoma in the xfinity series in the hendrick motorsports number 17 and he's also going to drive it at darlington in september while Willie B, William Byron, is going to drive it at Coda. And Alex, the showman-bowman, is going to drive the car at Watkins Glen. So the Hendrick, number 17, is making a return, while the
1: Spire...
0: Is Spire, Spire, ha, is, is, is Spire going to have another 7-truck? They're going to run the 7-truck? Are they going to focus on their on the 7-truck? Uh,
1: I think they're going to run the 7-truck occasionally, yes.
0: Okay, okay. I, I wasn't sure if maybe they reallocated some funds to uh, put Carson in the Xfinity ride, but either way. All right. Yeah. I went on, went on all over the place, but, uh, Hey, Hey, I think we can, I think I could still, I I think I could still save this show, Josh. I think I could still save it for going off the wheels. Let's talk about the feature paint scheme of the, of the, of the the C of the week, of the week, the feature paint scheme. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, our favorite Joe Gibbs racing number 18 from the Xfinity series. Uh because Sammy Smith won a race this weekend in the Infinity Series. Uh and I believe it's one of the first I mean it's it's been a while since you know someone else won in the eighteen.
1: Well, I know mean, yeah, it's it had I'd even look that up to see who won who was, was the last, last guy time. to
0: win in the eighteen
1: that wasn't Kyle me, it wasn't
0: a cup driver, I think.
1: That wasn't a cup driver? Yeah. Wow, you were you're you're reaching on that one. Let me go. Well that to you gotta go back scroll. quite a while. Yeah, I'm 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 looking it up here. Let me see. Let's crank it down the page. Sorry, it, it's taking a while to scroll here to figure it out. And it's not on this page. Darn it. Where'd it go? Okay, I can't look it up. I'm not gonna waste That's any okay. more Why time. Why don't you tell us all
0: about your feature yeah. paint scheme? Because I got a fun little nugget that I'm gonna add in about yours because I love okay. it. Okay. Well,
1: uh I can't uh I I, I I just cannot pick the Z-Line Designs car and it ran for several seasons. Um this car was definitely very noticeable on the track. Uh you knew that was what car it was. You didn't go like, "Oh, what colors that?" and or, or what who's the sponsor? Like, "Oh, that's the Z-Lines design car." You could fi- pick that car out with your eyes closed. That is just how distinguishable it was. Again, for several years I I I'm also a fan of just the um the uh the the, the template the paint scheme template that they used. And dare I say, I, I didn't write this down in my notes here what I wanted to say, but I always wanted somewhat like an inverse of this scheme. I wanted the red and the black to be flipped. I think that would have been a wicked one off paint scheme somewhere uh for for Z Line and JGR to run. Uh, a little fun fact here, Kyle Busch currently has, at the time of this recording, 102 wins in the Xfinity Series, 23 of them. So, essentially, 22%, 23% of uh, of, of these victories are, are in a Z-Line Designs car. That's pretty cool, I think. I think that's pretty cool. So, Rob, what is yours? Because you kind of didn't stray too far away from my era that I picked.
0: No, I didn't, but I I did love this car, and I love it for a lot of reasons. But one of the one of the biggest reasons I love it is because of the the obscure facts I know about it. Is uh, Josh? I don't know if you know this, but maybe you do. Let's find out. Let's let's do a pop quiz, Josh. Okay. What driver originally brought Z-line design sponsorship to Joe Gibbs Racing? Ooh. Uh do I get options or do I gotta
1: just guess out thin air?
0: I mean, I can give you some hints, but give it might one, give it away. Give me one hint. Alright, he's a two time oh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo champion. Oh. Um He currently races in the Intercontinental GT Challenge. And the, the, the uh not, GT not the guy I'm Challenge America. <laughs>
1: Not the guy I'm thinking about, so I'm not even going to say the name. Who is it? Uh, he is the he was
0: the uh 2010 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Rookie of the Year. Oh, it's Conway, it was my man, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Conway, oh, who brought Z Line Design sponsorship to Joe Gibbs Racing in 2007. And while Gibbs kicked Conway to the curb, Z Line never left. Well, good for. Conway had to go find another sponsor. He f- picked up the uh, male enhancement pill, extends, and the rest is
1: history. You know, Kevin Conway raced legend cars and was, you know, won quite a few races.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I'm very familiar with Kevin Conway. Do you have any idea how much I
1: know about this very obscure driver? Maybe, you like, maybe I, has a I, YouTube I, video been made about him that you can that you can like. He, right no, not,
0: no positive youtube videos they're oh, no all positive. like about the extend scandal and that's all i no. associate him with they don't talk about his legend championships they don't talk about his sports car championships they just talk about how he drove as uh brock beard called it the ford tortoise at nascar um i i did like it. he called it the ford tortoise let's be honest that was pretty funny I <laughs> that's, love pretty it. That's, that's pretty, pretty good that's pretty good that's good now, um <laughs> No, but uh, Kevin uh, Kefcon, uh good old KevCon, He basically that's what happened. He um, he brought Z-line Designs over to Joe Gibbs Racing in 2007 because he he basically a journeyman. Uh, he was basically a journeyman in in the, in the Bush Series at the time. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to run like full time in the Bush Series in 2006, and then he crashed a bunch and the team went under. Um, and then he went he ke- he had to keep looking for sponsorship. And he found sponsorship. I know way more about this guy than I should because you want to know why, Josh? Because for some reason in 2010 I became a fan of his.
1: And I don't know why. I'm not sure I would have admitted that on something we're recording that you're probably not gonna cut out. <laughs> I have nothing to I have nothing to hide. Why would I be
0: ashamed of that? <laughs> what what why would I be ashamed of that? Like everybody who's close to me knows this. And they don't give me crap for it. Okay. I had I had um NASCAR Illustrated had one of those pull-out posters.
1: Yeah. They had a know. Kevin
0: Conway pull-up poster that I had in my room for the Which longest one? time.
1: What was the car?
0: From the it was the 37, the Xtends 37. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's an odd thing for a
0: It was right next to my Kyle Bush, at uh, Joey Logano and Casey Kane posters. I thought you were going to say Mark Martin. I'm like, that's perfect. Not Mark Martin. Not oh, Mark Martin. Yeah. I had I had a lot of pictures and posters hanging in my room. I had a giant M&M's poster from 2002 with Ken Schrader. Mm. Um, and Ken Schrader, it's a picture of Ken Schrader. It's Ken Schrader's car. And all the M&M's are like his pit crew and uh-huh. not doing anything. And Schrader's like got his fist out the window, like shaking. And then the red oh, M&M's like got a speech bubble. He's like, he's always in such a hurry. <laughs> you
1: know?
0: <laughs> and then in like the lower bottom right was like the two thousand two Winston Cup schedule, you know. That nice. was and it, it it literally it that 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 poster sat in my room in the same place using the same exact like little stickum, stickum little uh or whatever like like second putty. Okay. Uh, basically until I I moved out of the house. That's good. That was good. I <laughs> <laughs> never moved it. I just want, for the record to show, I brought girlfriends in that room. <laughs> they were less than impressed with my shrine of NASCAR posters, but they could deal with it. That's how you weed them out, guys. that's how you weed them out. Um, I am going to move on to my featured paint scheme before I go even more off the rails, uh, because it is so this one is so hard to, to choose guys the, 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 the 18 has had so many good paint schemes like there's, there's so many memorable ones. I, knew, I knew for
1: the record, I knew this would be a challenge for Rob.
0: I mean it will it, it, Kyle Bush drove so many iconic paint schemes in, in, in the Xfinity and Nationwide series, the Bush series. Uh and not just in the Bush series I mean JJ Yaley drove a very iconic number eighteen the Bush series. Let's be honest with that. Uh the 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 good old uh Home Depot Vigaro. I mean it, pfft, heck, I still think of that car So from now now every now and again I think about wow man, that was that was
1: a heck yep. of a car,
0: man. Um you know, and and I liked it. I liked the car. Um, I, I There was even even sometimes where uh, there were a couple of times where GameStop sponsorship came over to the 18. So you had to weed throughout, through those, you know, because sometimes, you know, GameStop had some banger paint schemes, um, but they all get lost because they're just one-off nationwide mm-hmm. schemes that were aired. And, you know, it, it might have finished like 10th or 9th or something, and the race was obscure and on ESPN2 or something. You know, not many people saw it, now nobody remembers it. But this this is these are ones that were like running up front. These are ones that Kyle won in. Um this was the NOS paint schemes were the hardest ones because I loved the NOS paint schemes. That was actually what really got me into loving like I mean the Z-line cars were beautiful. That that got me really liking the 18 running out front. Uh but these NOS cars, man, I I loved them to the point where I collected in 2009, they had the Nos Can the Nos bottles. They had collectible Nos bottles. That I still have somewhere. Mom probably threw them out. But um, but they were collectible Nos bottles with Kyle Busch on them. They were really cool. Uh, so again, this was a coin flip because I had two that I loved, ha- two that I absolutely loved. 2009, 2016, and I basically it just came down to to a coin flip. Mm, yeah. I had to go, and and it, it, you know, it came out to the 2016 one, which I'm gonna admit. I'm kind of happy one because I love this one. I'm looking at it right now. I had the J ski tab pulled up. I remember I saw this, uh, this car run. Now, let me tell you something. The 2016 brickyard weekend was hands down. One of the worst races I've ever seen. Both
1: Oh, both oh sure.
0: Absolutely. One of the worst. I mean, terrible racing all day. The one nice thing about that Xfinity race. Number one was the fact that, you know, they, they mercilessly threw cautions for the dash for cash at the time and made them like heat races or whatever.
1: Yes. <laughs> um,
0: but also the fact that this, this NASCAR was, was out there running Uh Kyle Busch NASCAR. Thank, thank the good Lord. This car was out there. Uh, otherwise I would have needed some serious. I mean, this was the only eye bleach that was out there. I mean, the cars were spread out like everything, but like two seconds. I mean, there's no passing. Nobody could do anything. It was boring. It was hot. It was awful. Uh, but this car ran. That race, it ran a couple other races. It ran with Bobby Labonte and season opening race at Daytona, which was, holy cow, this car ran. And actually, from fact it actually ran a little bit different, the Bobby Labonte car, it actually was modified slightly. Uh, The Bobby Labonte car had, uh, and I think I might have talked about this before, but the Bobby Labonte car had uh, the orange NOS background. Uh, And then uh, when Kyle Busch ran it later on in the year, they removed the orange background to the NOS logo on the hood. And I think when they removed the orange background, I think it made the paint scheme look better. Uh, Not to say that it didn't look good before, but something so weird as just, you know, upgrading the brand logo slightly and removing something made the paint scheme pop a little bit more. I think it was because there was more blue on the hood and it really made that pop and it made the rest of the side of the car all that cool. Cause it looks like the paint is getting ripped off the car. Like it's speed is coming off. I mean, that's what, that's what just makes this car beautiful. I mean, it's, it's quite honestly the best-looking NASCAR, car, in my opinion, uh, probably, again, behind the 2009 one. Uh, and in some cases, I think the 2010 uh, race is where he ran a sponsorship from NOS Cherry, Charged Cherry, which is ironically no longer a flavor. Um, I like that car, too, but that that didn't make my top two, but that was probably a top five of, of, of my favorite NOS cars, or 18 cars. Um, so that's my featured paint scheme for this week uh i am going to go ahead and move on let's move on let's move on josh to the upshift downshift shift segment because i've done good we've gotten through so far the first half of this show in a half hour i'm doing good again josh even though i am going a little bit off the rails
1: i'm managing it's bound to happen when the more news we have the higher likelihood it's going to happen so we had like five points last week you know
0: you're keeping the news level low for me
1: aren't you He's no. on to me, folks. He's on to no. me. Oh,
0: no. Oh, I, I uncovered the secret. Okay, <laughs> uh, more controversy time. Uh, upshift, downshift, play along online, play along on the app, uh, the Spotify app, that is. By the way, we all are, actually, fun fact, if you are listening to us from a new platform, like Amazon Music Audible or uh, iHeartRadio, you know, something like that, uh, welcome, welcome. We're glad to to have you listening to the show. Um, but, uh, if you are a Spotify listener, remember every week, there's a Spotify question of the week that you can answer in your Spotify app. It is an upshift and downshift question that we pick, uh, and you are free to give us that answer anytime. But if you don't like that answer, if you don't like that question, or if you don't use Spotify, you can always play along the show with us by using the hashtag RobinRoller and telling us where you, where you shift on each question or how you shift on the featured question. It's up to you. So. First question of the day is NASCAR has implemented the choose rule for all races in 23rd, 23 now, including road courses. Do you upshift or downshift this decision by NASCAR, Josh?
1: It's hard for me not to upshift. I think, um, when you look at each road course independently, you look at, okay, where, where, where do I want to be? Where do I feel like I want to be at in the first corner? Do I want high or low? And if you're stuck, you know, in 15th, you're stuck on the, in the, um, in the, uh, whatever line they deem is the inside line, you know, that, that could be advantageous, that could be to a disadvantage. So, giving people to choose, it's the same concept as every other track when they first debuted it. Right? At Michigan, man, it, you're up to your own fate at this point. It doesn't make a difference. What track you're at now? You have a you have a choice. The only thing you somewhat can't control in the moment is your actual running position, which you can improve or worsen based off of how you choose and how your pit crew performs and how fast your car is. Right. So it's all up to you. The whole race is now in your is in is in your hands. I love it. I upshift I, when they when I they came with this news. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so uh, I, I'm happy. Upshift.
0: You know what, this is, uh, look, the choose rule since it was implemented, it it's kind of made, I've always said it's made the racing a little bit more, in- it's made restarts a little bit more interesting. It's, it's put at a, a level of strategy not seen before in races into some of these drivers' hands. Uh, I personally, I, I have to upshift again. I mean, I think it's one of those situations where it's better to have it as a as a rule on all tracks than to just keep it to some certain tracks. Um, so I, I personally don't mind this. I think it's, it's a step in the right direction for NASCAR, just making it a blanket rule and saying, okay, we're just going to have a choose rule everywhere. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to worry about, you know, yeah. guys getting stuck where they don't want to be. Cause it seems like all the drivers seem very happy with the choose rule. Oh um, yeah. The drivers seem to love it. And again, like I said, if the drivers love it and if it adds that extra element of strategy, it can't be a bad thing. So ultimately I have to upshift that. Uh, I, I like, I like that NASCAR is doing something that the drivers love and something that is not necessarily unique, but something that can add, an, like I said, that extra element of strategy for fans. Yeah. Um, next question here. Has Christopher Bell proven that he is Joe Gibbs racing new number one driver? you upshift or downshift the statement, Josh?
1: You know, this is a gut thing. Uh, I feel like he's running up front more often than anyone else there. And this is goes back to last year. And in this new season, yes, we're four races in. I still feel like he's he's kind of like I'm quiet. I don't have much of a personality, but damn it, I run up front a lot. So I kind of can't help but upshift. I think he's kind of their their top guy. Um, I think if you would ask them, they would obviously say say no one is our number one driver. Um, but right now he's kind of the one who's leading the, not only Joe Gibbs racing, but the Toyota banner. So it's kind of hard for me not to upshift. I, I, I think he's, he's looking like a top dog over there.
0: You know, this one is really tough because I don't know how you really define a number one driver in, in NASCAR. I don't want, I don't think Chris Bell is getting better stuff than his teammates. I have a hard time believing that Denny and Truex are not getting just as good of stuff as, as him and Ty, Um, but again, at the same time, you know, you are seeing Denny and Truex and Gibbs and well, even a lot of basically 23, 11. I mean, Bubba and Reddick have been also runs. I mean, Reddick had a good run this week, but outside of that, he's been an also ran. I mean, he, he was had, he had four points like after, like up until this week, like, he crashed in all three races. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's he he, uh, like I said, it's not his fault, but like he was struggling, um, and now finally puts a grace together and he's able to do pretty well. But that doesn't that doesn't negate the fact that the Toyotas are struggling. I mean, I think I think everybody is is struggling to Chevrolet right now. Um, Chevrolet has something that clearly the Fords and the Toyotas do not, and that happens. That happens sometimes. Guys, manufacturers figure things out that you know to take it takes other manufacturers a little while to figure it out, or sometimes they don't figure it out. Mm-hmm. you know i think i think uh christopher bell is probably just the best of a bad situation in, in all cases he's able to use he's able to get the most out of his equipment in some cases i don't know if if that qualifies him as quote unquote the number one driver but i think he's he's de- he, he's definitely the driver that's getting the most out of his equipment that's what i'll I'll be able to say um it, tough for me to shift on that so i'm gonna have to go ahead and put it into neutral right now Um, just because again, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like, he's going to be the championship favorite, like for Toyota, like he's going to be their threat, you know, let's say Denny has a good summer or something, or he comes into his own. I mean, that's, that's always possible. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Ty. Maybe it could be rookie jitters, but he's already ran half a season already in, in the next gen car He's got a he's got a really really good set of people behind him. He's inheriting a championship winning race team. I I don't know what could something's going wrong because with, with with those other three Gibbs cars and with Bubba and and Reddick, but it looks like when they could put together races, they could do pretty good. So I think it's all down to just guys needing to put together races, Toyota needing to step up their game, and. It gets something on on the Chevys uh, and something on the Fords. Not saying that they're being outrun by Fords, but you know you want you still want to beat them. Um, that's that's really where I'm coming from right now on that. So I will move on to the next question, which is Meyer Shank Racing should have been stripped of the Rolex 24 at Daytona victory for the tire pressure manipulation. Uh, do you upshift
1: or downshift this, Josh? You know, this is a again, this is a tough one. Um, but I think at the end of the day, even if it wasn't a a uh, across the board decision to manipulate the tires, it seems like a few people did, and or that's what they're making it out to be. Um, I, gosh, I, I, it's hard for me to allow them to keep that win. I know that. I don't know how that strikes everyone else who's listening and he's a sports car fan and pays attention to a diehard, but for me, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me. They obviously did something that, and, and, and the advantage, again, could be minuscule. It could have been for two laps. The, the, the fact of the matter is they lied on some sort of data reporting and they manipulated it in such a way that they thought they weren't going to get caught. So yeah, I upshift. I think they should have been stripped with the win, and uh, you know whatever the DQ policy is for the for the IMSA WeatherTech SportsCar Series, whether that be into their class or into the longest line, that's where they should have gone.
0: You know, this one is a again another tough tough question because uh, it, it's <coughs> excuse me, it's not like it's a. i mean it's it's kind of a major infraction but it's not if that makes any sense like it is and it isn't yeah you know there's there's way worse things that they could have done to get an advantage to gain a competitive advantage to win that race but this was also not a good thing to do this is also Mm -hmm. some but they say it's a rogue employee or or something they just said they 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 terminated the person responsible and i'm like okay that's great so the guy is like hey i figured out a way to win great you're fired you're fired if we get caught basically we need a scapegoat you know and it's like okay okay great you know we don't i don't have any other details i don't have any other any more details than than anybody else does on that but that just seems kind of sketchy to me that you're just going to you're just gonna say, "Oh, don't worry. We fired the person responsible." Like, "Oh, okay, one guy's the scapegoat." When he's this when you're all going for the same goal, which is to, you know, take advantage of the rules. You know, find loopholes in the rules. That's what we're all doing. Yeah. Everybody in racing is doing that. If you're not doing that, you're not winning, or you don't want to win. Yeah, you know. So it's like, like I, I mean, listen. That was one of the first things I learned in in a motorsports engineering class I was plopped into in college because I had to do it for my my uh, minor at the time was I was told straight up by a former engineer <laughs> everybody in the garages are cheating and if they're not then the guy's not making the race you know what i mean so this yeah. <laughs> is one of those situations where to me it's like oh, well you know everybody's cheating these guys just got caught and it's kind of a minuscule thing i mean does it does it is it, it does the punishment of losing their whole Rolex 24 victory fit the crime I, I'm not so sure it does just based upon how the complex of a whole 24-hour race goes on. You know, it—it's it, there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things have to happen for, for you to be able to cheat your way into that victory. And if you're going to cheat your way into that victory, I think tire pressure manipulation is probably not high on your list of priorities. You know what I mean? That's not exactly high on your list of ways to bend the rules. It's probably... It's probably on there, but it's probably towards the bottom. Um, I don't think I, I I'm I'm personally I'm downshifting. I don't think it, it the punish that punishment fits the crime. I don't think I think the, the penalty and the fine and the probation. That's 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 fair. That's fair to the penalty, because like like I said, I mean, if this if this was a two hour and 40, let's say this was an IMSA sprint race. It was one of those two hour, 40 minute races, two and yeah. a half hour races. Then maybe I could say, okay, there's more of a competitive advantage to be gained here. But it's a 24-hour race. How much competitive advantage can be gotten by manipulating tire pressures in that regard? I mean, at some point, you manipulate them enough. You run low enough tire pressures. You run long enough tire pressure, you're going to have a problem. You're going to blow a tire. You're going to have something go miss. I mean, it's a 24-hour race. I mean, the odds of... I mean, you have to really, really cheat and cheat really well. This is this is not an indication to me of cheating so well that you got that much of an advantage. I don't I don't feel personally that this was something that gave them an advantage that got them the win. You know, I think if it's an advantage that gets you the win, then yeah, I think that's grounds for probably having the win stripped from you. But I don't think this was a situation. I think this was just again one of those, "Hey, we're looking for loopholes." Oh crap! We got caught. Now we got to self-report it and explain. Oh, we did a bad. Now we got to take responsibility. Oh, we fire the guy. We do the PR. You know, make up. We pay the fine, and then everybody goes home. But they keep the Rolexes. You know what I mean? They're keeping the Rolexes at the end of the day. I guess. I. That's that's my feeling. That's yeah. my feeling. Okay. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna move on to the next question here, Ryan Truex. Little old Go Ryan, Ryan Trucks. He finished second in the Xfinity Series race driving for Joe Racing. Almost had a chance to win that thing. Uh, do you upshift or downshift that Sam Hunt Racing should sign him for a partial race deal?
1: Um. Yes, I, I upshift. They got some inventory left on their second car that's kind of running multiple drivers this year. Connor Mozak running the bulk of them with 20. Um. Ryan's ran really well when he's driven within the uh, JGR um, equipment, whether that be the 18 in, in past seasons or this year in the 19. Um, I, I, I think Ryan just has some awfully bad luck. He's never recovered from going to the Cup Series, and what year was that? 2012? 2014 When BK
0: Racing was literally begging for yeah. anybody.
1: Yeah, he, he he's never recovered from that move. Um I, I I think it would be good it'd behoove Sam Hunt racing to hire a guy with with his talent just to see like pick his brain almost kinda deal. Hey man, you wanna come on for a few races? We got some open inventory here. Wanna race? And see what uh and see what he can bring to the table uh the, you know, to help even their full time driver Kaz Grala. You know, I'm not, I don't think this is going to be a make or break. This isn't so much a make or break thing for his career going to Sam Hunt Racing, but they're obviously with Toyota. They're getting Toyota support. Why not try to help yourself out and make the, I think it's an easy call to Ryan. So I upshift. I think it, I think it would benefit Sam Hunt Racing in the, in the long run to bring him in and pick his brain. I want
0: to upshift this because I like Ryan. Ryan Truex a lot I think he's a cool guy I think he's a good driver it's just I think the biggest problem with Ryan has always been like where is where is your funding bro I mean he never had funding
1: never as, has.
0: Much as, 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 as much as I think that you know drivers should be able good drivers should be able to get good rides it, it, the reality of it is that's just not the case that just doesn't happen like the re- real reality of it is that you're not going to get any ride unless you're bringing sponsorship. Um, I think instead of relying on Sam Hunt to just, out of the goodness of their heart, sign him, I, this is my opinion, this has always been kind of my opinion, is that Ryan's just got to figure out, he's got to find some, some sponsor that's willing to back him in a car that he can show his strength in you know toyota auto owners some of the stuff that from his brother i mean yeah he could get sponsorship to run races here and there but where's the sponsorship where you're gonna run full top full full time and when he has gotten those full-time rides like a colleague like at um hre i think he was at you know he's been kind of so-so kind of like wishy washy you know, kind of like mediocre kind of okay well, he only like,
1: lasted a few races there at 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 both those teams a few years ago it yeah. it's
0: it, it's not it's not him, i mean, look, I'm saying getting a ride at joe Gibbs racing is great it's a great opportunity to show what you can do uh and what you can what you can achieve but what but that's a good car that's a good car set up by champions and driven by champions and you know, driven by race winners and, you know, what, what, what can Ryan Truex do? Can Ryan Truex take a car, like take a Sam Hunt car, take what he'll give him and get the best result out of it. You know, if, if he's given a 24th place car, you know, can you get a 23rd? Can you try and get a 22nd? You know, do that. That's, what's going to impress, impress your team. You know, if you're taking those cars and doing what you're, and, 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 and like kind of like what what's being asked of Parker Kligerman is like, take this car, do what it'll, you know, race it the way it'll, it'll race, you know, get, do what the car gives you and just bring it home in one piece. And I'm not saying Ryan tricks isn't going to do that. I think he will, but I'm sorry. it, it It's going to, it's going to take something bigger than Sam Hunt racing to really allow Ryan Truex to shine. I mean, if he could put together, if he, was it managed to put together a deal that got him a full-time Gibbs ride in Xfinity, then that would be the best way to show off his talent than, you know, picking up a Sam Hunt ride and pretty much just telling people what they already know, which is, oh, okay, we have a midfield top 15 driver. That's that's how I feel about that. I mean, I'm not saying that Ryan Truex couldn't get the job done, but I'm saying he has a lot better chance, and really impressing people, really have challenging for wins. And maybe even challenging for a championship if he's able to put together like a full like this is my thing if if Daniel Hemrick is willing to drive for free to get that to get that gibbs ride I, maybe Ryan should consider the same thing, man. I'm just saying drive for free and just show people what you could get, and then you'll get the sponsor because now now hemrick's got all the he's got a Xfinity championship and now he's got sponsorship coming out the you know coming out of his mouth basically with colleague. You know they can't. I mean, Colleague can't sell. I mean, the, 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 I mean, colleagues has got more sponsors than they could sell for Hemrick now, basically. Yeah. You know that's. That, look how much it worked out for Hemrick. If Hemrick never wins another race again, it's not going to matter because he's going to be in the series in, in the series, either Cup or Xfinity at some level, probably for the next ten years. Because he bet on himself in that regard. And like I said, it doesn't. it's not going to matter if he wins another race. Who cares? He bet on himself. It paid off. And now look where he is. Yeah. Maybe Truex trying the same thing could pay off for him as well. Rather than scrounging up a little bit of money to run for Sam Hunt. And maybe finishing 12th in points. That's, that's my... Th- Again... Not a one-size-fits-all shoe. It might not be possible for that to get, for him to drive for free. It might not be economically possible for him. And that's probably why he's not going to do it. Maybe Joe Gibbs isn't willing to allow him to drive for free. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, because, uh, again, Hemrick did have a sponsor. It, it was Poppy Bank. It's just he wasn't getting paid by Gibbs. Poppy Bank was paying him, and he wasn't taking a paycheck. Yeah. Um. So it that's what it's one of those deals it's it's tough it's a tough tough question to ask but ultimately i think truex doing the bet on yourself thing look at look at where the bet on yourself thing is has paid off for a lot of these drivers look i mean there's a lot of controversy around maddie d but he bet on himself and it paid off i mean did he win races no but he showed a lot of people what he could do and relatively good equipment nobody gave any thought to it. now did it did it pay off for him in the regard that did he get a cup ride after he he lost the 21 no but he got a full-time truck ride by someone who saw something in him and it's not a cup ride but hey it's a full-time ride it's he Matty D, gets to contest a full schedule
1: mm-hmm. now
0: he doesn't have to sit on the sidelines he's not at home he still gets to now trucks this is the same thought process I'm going with trucks trucks Bet on yourself. It's going to pay off one way or the other. It might not pay off for you with a cup ride. It might not pay off with you with a championship. But, dude, if it pays off with you with some kind of full-time ride in a top-tier equipment that can get you wins consistently, take it. Do it. I've talked a lot about that, so I'll move on, Josh, to the next one. Um, and and it is regards the cup race on Sunday. William Byron being told to leave his pit box before the front tire changer was cleared nearly resulted in him being hit. Do you upshift or downshift that NASCAR should consider an unsafe release penalty for drivers striking crew members?
1: Uh, this is going to be controversial, but yes, I upshift that that was like I know it's the last pit stop of the race, but this is where it's going to be crucial that that rule's in place that it it you you they knew that when they took two. And the four took four, and the four was going to take four, or maybe at the time they, they were thinking if, it was going to be a race between them and the five off pit road. And it was. And that got him on the front row for both those last restarts. Ultimately got him to win. You know, of course, yeah, you can play the what if game, how it plays out, Harvey takes two, and, and all that jazz. But, I mean, he told, go, go, go. And the guy's not even clear of the Chevy emblem on the front of his car. I think, yeah, if your driver strikes a crew member, yeah, that's under caution, congratulations. You got a one-way ticket to the back of the field. Strike a pit crew member are under green, congratulations. You got a pass-through penalty. The, these crews are so athletic, and they're, being, and they're training and practicing to hit 7.2 seconds or whatever it is now that the crew chiefs and I who or whoever the person is in charge releasing the driver I'm not going to blanket and say it's all all, all the crew chiefs. But whoever it is in charge of releasing the driver or the driver's cue to go, it's so the window is so tight. And it's it's getting to a point where like, all right, I'm not all I'm I look, the NASCAR rule book is too big. Okay? I I'm I'm all in belief of that but certain rules are in place to protect people from themselves and this is one of those deals because if he didn't clear out it's possible that his foot goes underneath that car and that's not going to be a pretty day for anybody on that pit road and it's going to damage Willie B's mental state for the rest of his life I don't think we need to see that happen so yes I think there needs to be that that rule that says yep you strike a crew member with your car; it's a penalty. That's an unsafe release. It's just like it is in Indy car. Indy car is the same thing. It's taken away wins, opportunities for good finishes for several drivers in the last few years because they've hit a they've hit the crew member exiting or entering the pit box. It's it. it and I, I I can't I don't it, it's not. I think it was a penalty when who was the Ferrari guy? who ran over the the driver was still on. Like put under like by the car and he got ran over. At, I think it was in China several years ago. I mean that was a penalty. I think it was a post race penalty, but it was a penalty. So it's not a foreign idea. I upshift. I think you got NASCAR in this situation. I hate to add another rule to the already over ruled or over policed series that is NASCAR. But that's one is to protect protect the crew members who are already so exposed.
0: You know, here's the thing for me, I don't feel like what you said was that controversial at all. I think it's wild to me that NASCAR is still one of the only racing series in the world that doesn't have some kind of form of an unsafe release penalty. It's it's it seems like they at the forefront of safety, NASCAR would have implemented this by now.
1: Yeah.
0: Where where is it? <clears throat> I, don't I don't know. It is. I it's I feel like I feel like this shouldn't be is that that controversial. I mean, they have it in every other racing series. In every other racing series, there's an unsafe release penalty. And it's to protect the people on pit road. It's to protect the pit crews. It's it's for their own good. It's for their own safety.
1: Why is NASCAR
0: crazy. still the only series that doesn't have this? They have competitive pit stops. Yeah. They have all these people running around and say there's what what are we doing? This is this shouldn't be that controversial. I don't where is the controversy? It's it's just what it is is common sense. It's common sense. Yeah, you want you don't want to incentivize these teams to be sending their drivers right into the path of another person. You can't. What? what are we doing? That that's not controversial to, at all to me. That's
1: that's. Just well, I'm glad sense. you agree with that. Then
0: well, well, or, it, it, I'm it, glad
1: you agree. It's not controversial. I should say.
0: No, it, like I said, it's just it's just common sense. Um, next question here. Very little IndyCar news this week, and with the next race still being a few weeks away, interest built from the season-opening race is already waning. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh?
1: I'm broken record, I'm upshifting again. <laughs> Why? Uh, we we've discussed it. They should at least be in uh, Homestead this week, or they should at least be in Circuit of the Americas, running some sort of doubleheader with NASCAR. It's it it's keeping you in the news somehow. A month in between your season opening race, which was chaotic, and you didn't know what was gonna happen, to well, we gotta wait a month. To our next race, which we'll see how it goes, is not good. Some people have already forgotten it. And yeah, the marketing team leaves something to be desired as well. So uh, I got it up. You. interest is waning.
0: You know what? It's pretty cut and dry. I I literally covered the season opener last week. I wrote a story about it, and it already feels like it was a month ago. That's bad. That's bad. I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what else to say. I. IndyCar, um, there's there's an F1 race this weekend. There is an IMSA race this weekend. Uh, how is there no IndyCar race this weekend? How, re- really, really, really? How is there at least not an IndyCar race this weekend or next? What, what, what are we do- What are we doing? This is IndyCar. IndyCar has to understand. IndyCar has to understand that what they're doing is by just allowing their product to get stale and be forgotten is they're allowing every bit of momentum that they have built up the past 15 years to go right away. You know, when the split ended in in 2008, we got the great news that American Open Wheel Racing was going to be unified again. Everybody got excited and that was fun. And then things kind of started to die away. You know, we lost some ovals, you know, the series kind of lost some of its appeal. You know, you had the big traumatic incident with Weldon, you know, and then 2012 comes around and IndyCar's got this brand new car and they're putting on great racing, great oval racing, great road racing. I mean, they were killing it everywhere and the races were spread out, but not too spread out. Uh, they were a network television, which is they still are um, more network tele- less network television than they were, but um, and they always had something every couple of years to 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 gain that interest. You know, here's because because here's the thing. Here's the thing, and and there's been a couple of things that have people have mentioned about this, but you know, IndyCar, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, you know, IndyCar was really really doing a great job, really gaining in popularity. I think a lot of that was again due to um, Due to the great work that Randy Bernard had done and all of the work that he had put in place several years prior to that, um, he he got he got the ball rolling. He got the ball rolling for getting IndyCar back to a point where it could be taken seriously again. I mean, he brought back the Triple Crown. That was something that was huge for fans, especially myself. I loved it. You had Indy, Pocono, Fontana. You had the three biggest two of the, three of the biggest tracks that you could get your Get these indie cars on at the time that would be willing to take them, and you brought back he brought back the triple, triple crown. Well, the triple crown went away, but we got new arrow kits. Okay, we got new arrow kits. Okay, and those arrow kits made for some great racing. They but they were ugly. They were ugly to the average fan, but they made for some great racing. And they added, you know, different different things. You know, you had the Honda uh, arrow kit was different. The Chevrolet arrow kit there were different advantages to running one to the other. You had teams you know, trying different aero things. I remember the greatest, one of the most fun things about the 2015 Indy 500 before qualifying was being able to watch throughout all throughout practice that week all the different teams experiment with different aero setups on their car. You could see some teams running winglets on the back of their car, some teams taking winglets off. You had some teams running, uh, you know, front wings that had more downforce, some uh, teams that had, more arrow on less arrow on their front wings. I mean, it was just all over the place, it was all over the place. It was a wild west. That was interesting, that was fun. They took it away, they took it away for a couple of years, but that was okay because you know, 2016 17 still had some great races, still had some fun, fun times. Um, still had exciting and entertaining storylines. Then you get to 2018, you get this all new car that doesn't look as ugly, it's more visually appealing now. Uh, but the oval racing guys kind of suffered a little bit. But... We keep losing oval races. So the coolness of this, you know, new chassis kind of doesn't have enough, enough time to marinate with people because it's not being run on oval tracks enough, uh, but it's putting on fairly decent uh, street races. But outside of that, what's happened? We added an arrow screen, and that was it. We've been promised by IndyCar multiple times. We've been promised uh, more ovals, which we'll, we'll, we'll probably never get uh we've also been promised a third OEM which we'll probably never get we've also been promised hybrid engines which we'll probably never get we've also been promised you know faster speeds which we'll also probably never get um that it's just it's just empty promise after empty promise we keep hearing about you know this and, and this is the biggest thing the biggest thing worst thing that happened to any car personally in the last 5 years was robin miller dying because now we've lost another a big voice, the one of the biggest voices that kept the people up at up at the top of the IndyCar Corporation, Penske Corp, whoever, on their toes, telling them what they need what needed to be said and what they needed to hear. Now we have got a bunch of shills out there. And I'm try I'm not trying to be the IndyCar shill. I don't wanna be. I'm I'm gonna cover the sport in the same way Robin Miller did it, but I'm not gonna try and be Robin Miller. But the fact of the matter is we can't have people out there shilling for IndyCar and acting like this is okay. You cannot run a race in the first week of March and then take a comp- a full one month break. The first race of the new season. You can't do that. A one month break is what Formula 1 does at the midpoint of their season. Yeah. Yep. Not IndyCar the f- the one race after one race. That is unacceptable. You know, and, and it used to be, you know, at some point, I could probably understand it. When it was the IRL, you know, I could probably understand it. But now, I there's no excuse for this. Champ Car, Champ Car was up and off and going by this point. Champ Car had, had, you know, Champ Car would have a couple of races by this point. Champ Car would have, you know, a race every two to three weeks. You know, you wouldn't have to wait for this this long. Even the IRL back in the day, you wouldn't have to wait this long. Formula One, you don't have to wait this long. You don't have to wait this long between races in most normal big series like this. Maybe sports cars racing, maybe big-time endurance racing where, you know, you only have nine races a year. Maybe That I can understand maybe having a month-long break. That I get. But IndyCar, a spec series, a spec series means a month-long break? One race after the season, the, the one race into the season? That is ridiculous. And they keep shooting themselves in the foot about this every single time because this is the same thing. They kept telling us. I remember years ago, a couple of years ago, maybe back as far back, 18, 19, 2020, they were talking about, oh, man, we got to get, you know, what if we ran, we started the season earlier and earlier. Let's start the IndyCar season in January and February and get get a good hold on the market, you know. And then what happened to that idea? It went away. You know, there was a time where seriously, on the cards was the idea of starting the IndyCar season in January, and then like you know, running competitively up until then, like through January, until the Super Bowl, and then resume after the Daytona Five Hundred. Like that, that was a legitimate plan that would have worked, and we and they never went through with that. They 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 eventually started the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg in February, but then that fell apart. And they decided we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, We're going to move it back to March. And now it's in March again. We still wait a month for the next race. So what what came out of that? We moved it earlier to allow for more races to be put into that slot. No races happened. Now we move it later for more races to be put in that slot. No races are still being put in that slot. What is going on? What is going on? I mean, what are they going to do? And the worst part, the worst part is, the worst part about this is, you know what they're going to do? You know what they're going to do, Josh? They're going to compensate it, probably. You just know they're going to do it. They're going to compensate this, any kind of long gap with another IMS road course race. Because that's their band-aid. That's the band-aid that they use to fix all the problems. Is like, just just throw them out there on another road course race at IMS, and that'll fix all our problems. The fans want more races. Let's give them more races. Let's put another race on the IMS road course. Can't have too much, too many more. You know, it's 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 it's, it's, it's incomparable. It's, it's literally what they're going to do. That's what you are asked. We're asking them to do because they're they're not going to go to Homestead like we asked. They're not going to go to some other permanent road course like we ask. They're not going to go anywhere that makes sense. They're going to go to some street course that's going to be around for a year or two and then drop off the planet or not even come to fruition at all, or they're going to go to another indie road course race. Because that is what the answers we've been getting from IndyCar ever since. IndyCar's momentum constantly dies because they don't know what to do between races. They don't know what to do. There's always these long gaps. They have the longest off-season of any motorsport. And then, how do you retain fans? If you're not even giving them anything, Josh, I know we're talking about time, but this is getting, this has been getting on my nerves. This is on my nerves. This is on my nerves today. IndyCar keeps talking about, oh, we want to bring in new fans. We want to retain fans, but you don't do anything. They don't do anything that actually does that. Fans tune out. They they got a Formula One race to watch this weekend, Josh. They got a Formula One race. You think anybody who was impressed by that St. Petersburg race, wants to is is excited that they have to wait until april to watch texas no and and that's even given here's the thing about texas that's even given if we're assuming that they're going to try and lay down a second groove at texas If they don't do that then you just kill your momentum even more because if you put on a dud of a race at texas you can't afford to they can't afford to put on a dud race, Texas. What they need to be doing is making sure that there's a Friday practice session where, they're, where everybody's running the outside line. Everybody. Everybody. It's mandatory. Everybody gets one free set of tires from Firestone, and everybody goes out there and runs 200 miles an hour and rubbers in that top groove. 200 miles an hour to 150 miles an hour. Everybody rubbers in that top groove just all throughout Friday. And then Saturday... That's when you guys go out and run your actual laps. That's when you go and dial in your car on perfect practice of qualifying. But on Friday, everybody is going out there. We are all running practice laps slowly at, 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 at slow speeds, putting rubber in that hot high, high lane. Everybody, I want all 27 cars out there running hot laps on that high lane. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen? People are going to keep tuning out. By the time we get to Indianapolis, all those fans that thought St. Petersburg was cool probably have already forgotten about it and are probably going to be watching Monaco and then take a nap for the rest of the day. All right. Chandler Smith has three top five finishes since Daytona in his rookie season with the Colleague Racing. Do you upshift or downshift that this is what you expected from him and Colleague?
1: A downshift? I did not. I honestly did not. I did not expect Chandler Smith to be uh, kind of knocking on the door for, for some wins here uh, this early in the season. I thought it would take a little bit longer for him and, and Colleague losing Almendinger in that series. Uh, sort of the 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 the, uh, the north star for them, if you will, always been true, and him moving up full time the Cup Series. Now, I don't know what his involvement is still with the Xfinity Series, but you know you you have the guy who has done the bulk of your winning is now left that particular division for you, and this guy's a rookie. Chandler Smith had some okay runs with with uh, Sam Hunt Racing last year. I think his was his three starts. Um, but I thought it would take a little bit longer for him to get, I mean, not top tens, but top fives for sure. So, did not expect this. You know, good for him. It, it, he's, if he continues this, he's going to be one to watch for in the playoffs.
0: You know, I didn't expect this, to be honest with you. I figured Chandler Smith would probably do okay with Colleague. I kind of assumed he would be, you know, still a fine driver. but. uh this is this is a performance I didn't expect. I didn't. I did not expect this. I did not expect him to be this fast, this good, this quick, this early. Um, especially, you know, you get knocked down in the Daytona Five Hundred, failing to qualify. You would think, you know, that would affect his psyche a little bit. No, he came right back out and uh, came right out at, at, at Auto Club, and then later Vegas, and said, "Nope, didn't affect me at all. I'm am still here. I'm here, ready to win." And uh, you know, I good on them. Good on them for for you know, being able to put on a perf- good performance. Now it's all about making sure that Hemrick is getting that same kind of level of, uh, level of help. Uh, and I, I I'm, my hope is that Kyle Busch has kind of brought in some, some more experience to that team where they might need it, where, you know, when they lost Allmendinger, I think being able to bring Kyle in for five races is really yeah. good opportunity for them. And even Austin Dillon for however many, yeah, he's, Austin Dillon's nowhere near as valuable as Kyle, but you know, Kyle, Kyle's still. He's he's going to be the guy that they're going to be looking for. So if he can work with, I mean, he's got a relationship with Chandler. Chandler drove for him in the Truck Series, so that that probably helps as well. Um, and he was at one point teammates with Hemrick. And, and, and well, no, no, not technically he wasn't because that was that was when he retired from the the,finity Series. So I guess not. But point is, um, no, it's all good. It's all good for him. So good, good job for them. Uh, final question here: International interest in NASCAR underscores the necessity for Circuit of the Americas to reign, remain on the NASCAR calendar for years to come. Do you upshift this or downshift this, Josh?
1: I, I upshift. Um, I mean, look at look, let's look at what Circuit of the Americas is. It, it's an international circuit in the in the United States. It is designed for international racing. As much as it, you know, there there are other tracks that certainly could host and have hosted, um, and with either small upgrades or millions of dollars of upgrades, could host like a Formula One race, could host an IndyCar race. Um, But let's be honest here. There are two tracks in the United States permanent that could host a Formula One race tomorrow. One is Indianapolis, and the other is Circuit of the Americas. Daytona is absolutely an internationally recognized circuit. But Formula One's not going to be racing there anytime soon, nor is IndyCar. It's a sports car and stock car track. And I guess motorcycles track, too, if you want to go with bikes. We could have
0: IndyCar there, but, you know, ISC doesn't let us have nice things. Well, Roger new new IndyCar management wouldn't, but previous IndyCar management would have tried. They did. Daytona? Yes! Did you not know this? I mean, I know they went to Daytona like in the '60s. No, Ooh, in 2007 they did a feasibility test at Daytona. They were literally trying to make an put an IRL, IRL race at the Daytona Road Course. They were going to use oh, the okay. the motorcycle pass through of turns one and two, but still use the banking in turns three and four, and probably have a chicane like you
1: saw with the with the the Cup cars at the Daytona uh, Road Course. Okay. Okay. Either way. Okay. As it stands now. You're at least not going to have Formula 1 there. I guarantee you Formula 1 ain't going to Daytona. So, when you have a track like Cirque of the Americas that's on your calendar that you are racing at, that's putting on good racing, that is attracting two Formula 1 champions, could potentially attract more. Why Daniel Ricciardo is not in this race is beyond me. Um he probably doesn't want to be. I don't understand why he loves NASCAR, he loves Dale Earnhardt, but yet yeah, he doesn't want to race in it. I'm just so confused by that. But I think it underscores like this is a track that everyone in the world knows and has either has some sort of experience at it, whether it be a simulator or a car that is similar that is raced there, and they can relate. And they can relate to it. So I think that's. I don't know if that was an intended consequence of going to Circuit of the Americas, or if it's just a happy coincidence. I like think it's a happy coincidence, and. Yeah, if we continue to have this race on the calendar every year, that is, hey, you know, Jensen said it was fun. Let's go and try it. You know, wh- wh- and that could be some World Endurance Championship guy, or it could be a Supercars guy. You know, this guy said it was awesome. Let's go there. Let's 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 try and find a ride. I think that's super important, and we shouldn't lose it. So I upshift.
0: Well, I have to upshift this too. I was really, I was originally pretty kind of, I was originally fairly upset, I think, because it meant we lost IndyCar at Coda. But I think this NASCAR weekend at Coda has been has been more beneficial to just getting more international drivers to come out and try not just NASCAR, but also like IMSA and IndyCar and other things here just to see that like, hey, the US isn't just a bunch of rednecks turning left like look we have a world-class facility and look this are the cars that we we race with and this is the kind of show that they can put on and this is what you can do well i don't i don't think jensen thinks that but you know maybe some other people might maybe other other drivers might have that kind of connotation that nascar's both beneath them or something um oh, yeah. <clears throat> in, in, in i don't think daniel ricardo thinks that but he definitely is not very eager to uh to come out and and run run some nascar just yet but I, I think he's still trying to get back in formula one um i think he said he wasn't going to try it until he was done done he was yeah. done done yeah so until someone finally gives him the actual news that hey buddy you flamed out multiple times um yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. he's not ready to accept that yet so um but yeah i upshift this it's important it's it and it's a good track. I think it's a good track for NASCAR, especially with this next gen car. I think with the Gen 6, it wasn't really good. And in some cases, the truck and Xfinity races can leave some things to be desired. But I think the Gen 6, the, or excuse me, the next gen car has put on a pretty good show. Um, and I think it should continue to put on a pretty good show for years to come, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is it for the upshift, downshift segment this week. Let's move on to the weekend wrap up, talk about who won this week in Supercars, the Newcastle 500, race number one. Shane Van Gersbergen crossed the line first, but was penalized, and the race was given to Cam Waters. He was the victor. So he is—he was the victor of race one, even though SVG crossed the line first. Penalty, weird penalty. had something to do with dry ice. I'm not exactly sure of the entirety of it. I should have probably researched it before I went with this show, but it's okay because in race two, SVG did actually get a win, and he got to keep the win, but there was still controversy around that because of the way that he... He passed Chaz Monster. I explained this to Josh when I was explaining the the, the, the incident earlier. Basically, this was a racing deal. Um, Chaz Monster had worse tires. He had, was running slower lap times. It was like three laps to go. SVG was just catching him. By the time he caught him, um, <clears throat> Monster realized he needed to defend. He went way wide coming into one of the final turns. And he pushed himself and SVG into the wall. And SVG got underneath him and was able to pass him and for some reason Mustard felt like you know it was a dirty move for SVG to hit him well i i didn't understand where he was getting that because in my opinion it was mustard who may who shouldn't have been swinging out wide in that defensive move when he's on the outside of you i mean he's not going to get the run on the outside if he was take he, he took the defensive line he realized that SVG was going to get him high so he swung wide he took a way wider entry into the corner than he needed to. And he made contact with him, And that's what happened. That's a racing deal first and foremost. But if you want to place blame on anybody, I would place blame on the guy who took a unpredictable racing line into the corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Not the guy who ran into you, but the guy who took that unpredictable racing line. If you hadn't have swung out so wide in order to block SVG's run to make it, to it take a wider arc and into the, ap- hit the apex of cur- turn, you wouldn't have made the contact. You probably would have been able to keep the lead. Not for very long. You probably would have taken it. I mean, he was going to lose the lead. If he didn't pass him there, he was going to pass him in the hairpin turn that was coming up. So yes. I, I I I think Monster was trying to get more. He was trying-I understand he was trying to win a race. You're trying to go on and win a race. But in that situation, I think he overstepped a little bit. And it was I, I didn't think personally it was very it wasn't the right thing for him to say that, Oh, he made a little bit of a cheeky move. And I'm like, no, mate, you made the cheeky move. <laughs> it was you, sir, made the cheeky move. So that's my opinion. Um, the Arkham Menard series ran a combination ser- uh, race with the West series as well. Uh, the victor of that was not decided until what second or third overtime. Um, yeah. where Tyler reef was the victor, uh, Crazy events happened in that race, something so crazy, in that Frankie Muniz spun out early in the race, came back, rallied to finish sixth, and is now second in points.
1: Yes. Oh, I love it. Frankie Muniz
0: is second in ARCA points. Congratulations, everyone. We currently live in a world where you could say that everybody's favorite child actor is second in ARCA points.
1: I was just about to say, like, hey... I mentioned the whole Marvel multiverse thing, or whatever multiverse we're living in right now. I love it, man. I you just uh, gotta
0: look down on the pit box and see if
1: Brian Cranston is down there calling the shots. Oh my <laughs> god, it, it, that 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 needs to happen. That should that should have happened here this week in Arizona. I'm like, oh crap, Walter White's here in Arizona. Heisenberg there you go. his operations. Um, my goodness, this is it is great. Um, I, I it, it, it kind of got to remind yourself let's Be some little reality check on. You know, if certain people didn't crash out, maybe he's like third or fourth in points. But still, he 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 spun and rallied to sixth place. And how many cars were there? I mean, it was a 30-car field or something. Yeah, somewhere. it was about 36 cars, I think. Yeah, so a decent-sized field. Love to see it.
0: No, and, and here's the thing. When he, he spun out, and then he caught, he caught two cautions at the right time. And those two cautions, basically, he was able to go from the very back of the field, and he got right back up into the top 15. And was able to stay there for the most of the rest of the night and that was the thing that was so big was if he i don't think i think if he didn't catch those two cautions when he did, he probably would have been a lap down, but he caught those two cautions when he did and was able to use it to, to stay up to, i mean I, I, you get lucky i mean sometimes 100%. in racing it's as much luck as it's is skill one hundred percent um so this is a situation where he just got really lucky and he used the skill that he had to stay up in the top 15 and avoid all the trouble and pass everybody and be there at the end, just like he needed to be. And that's, that's all you can ask. you be there at the end. You don't tear up the race car. You rebound from a tough start. If I was crew chief in that, I couldn't be any more happier. I'd, I'd say driver did a good job. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you're dealing with rookie driver. He spun out. It was, it was a self spin. It's a rookie spin. It's his first time he's ever been to Phoenix raceway. You know, he'd never been on, on a track. I mean, he hadn't been there. He hadn't experienced something like that. And he, you know, you got to make up that mistake. He, he made his mistake. He rebounded and he figured out what he needed to do. And he came back, like I said, to finish sixth. So all in all, he's it, it, making a fun to watch. He's making Arca mm-hmm. fun to watch. And honestly, if you're a fan of Frankie Muniz and you're not watching the Arca races this year, I'm surprised. I mean, even if you don't like racing, I think <laughs> you should still be watching Arca just for the sake to see how Frankie's doing and see yeah. what kind of performance he's putting on. Cause usually he'll sneak up there and, and and have a pretty pretty darn good finish. Yeah. Um the Xfinity series was also at Phoenix. Uh a I thought it was very eventful race lots of spins lots of crashes lots of event, lots of action uh sammy smith ended up getting the victory that's his first xfinity win and what like he's still got only got a handful of starts he,
1: uh, i think he's got less than 10 starts it's less than 10 okay something like that i think he made like five or six starts last year this is his oh, fourth yeah, about start. ninth
0: or tenth starts yeah maybe?
1: yeah i mean it's less than 20 i can guarantee you that less than probably less than 15
0: it's crazy I I was I was impressed with Sammy Smith last season, not just in Arca, but then also in when he got those handfuls of Xfinity starts for Joe
1: know I thought he was good. I thought,
0: yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought he was a really good talent. I thought you know he was someone that Gibbs can really build around this, build this new Xfinity, you know, this new era of the Xfinity program around, and yeah. he comes right out and wins in his this his fourth fourth full time race. You know. He just comes right out there and wins like it's nothing. He holds off a teammate, no less, a much more experienced teammate, a yeah. much older teammate than him. Than, and not to say, like we were talking about, Ryan Truex, that was a great performance by Ryan Truex. Uh, I just don't think he had a track position and enough time to catch Sammy Smith. I think he probably would have been able to run him down if he had maybe 10 more laps. I think he probably would have been able to get him. But uh, just not enough time left in the race for Ryan Truex to catch him down. But still, Sammy Smith, man, ran in a great race. Um, and then the cup series race, Josh, you and I were talking about this overall, the overall quality of the race. I didn't think it was a bad race. I think the thing I liked about this Phoenix race was, uh, the fact that it had long green flag runs and it had so little cautions that it allowed race strategies to play out, um, in the way that I, I found that interesting. Um, and, and to that point, uh, I thought, you know, uh, people could say this is boring. People could say this is inter- it isn't is interesting, but I mean, to me, as a guy, as someone who just likes pure racing, I like the old racing, racing of old, when, when Larry Mack would explain to me. I I was so amazed when Larry Mack noted that Byron and Larson's pit times were the exact same. Yeah. He was noting that. I was sitting here, and I'm like, that's, that's a situation where if you're the driver and you're the crew, you're like, well, this is our teammate. We've literally done everything we can do, and we're just equal. Yeah, it was. An, I thought. I thought personally the fact that the twenty four and the five were stinking up the show so much, but still couldn't figure out which one wanted to win, was was it, was interesting.
1: Point, it it might not down, have been
0: entertaining, but it was interesting.
1: At that point, it came down to uh, how is the driver driving the car, and <laughs> how is the driving style of that driver. Suited or compatible with uh, Phoenix, and they. But they, you mentioned strategy plan out. Kevin Harvick,
0: Kevin Harvick, Harvick. Harvick got
1: robbed from the late race restart. Yeah, but he drove up there. He he methodically yeah. worked his way to the lead successfully and was going to win that race if it weren't for Harrison Burton doing yeah. Harrison Burton things and wrecking. So, New, Harrison, Phoenix, New Phoenix is such a track
0: position race. That's what makes the, the 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 call for Harvick there to pit. Uh, that's what makes it so strange to me. It's it's a track position race. I I felt like yeah, you could say Harvick kind of botched that. Harvick lost that, but I think if he, I mean William Byron made two tires stop and took track position. They they said to heck
1: with tires. We need yeah. Track but look at your guy Larry Max say says if anyone takes two tires, they should be fired on Monday. And Clint goes, hey Larry, we got six crew chiefs here that are getting fired tomorrow. And... yeah exactly because I, I i respect larry i understand yeah. larry And i'm just poking and, and and
0: i think I, I understand where larry was coming from in that yeah. situation you want four tires all the time in that case especially on the last restart yeah but i think you want four tires if on the last restart if you're running like six i think if you're running first or second I'm more hesitant to put on four because I don't want to uh, sacrifice my track position. Phoenix, new Phoenix, you need that track position. Even if your tires aren't great and they're not perfect, they're not up to snuff, if you can clear the car behind you, you can probably hold them off for a lap or two. And in that situation, a late race restart like that, that's all you need is to just hang on for a lap or two. And that's all William Byron did. He just needed to hang on for a lap or two. I think Harvick could have had the same situation happen. But he spent all that time trying to get through traffic, yeah. you know. And by that point, you just don't have enough track position. You don't have enough time to get back up to the leaders because you spent all that time that the leaders took getting oh, yeah. away and running away from the field to jump at the field. You spent all that time getting through traffic on your fresher tires.
1: You just describe what happened to, to Kevin when Kevin Harvick did was went through the first two corners, all right, and he was running through the middle of them three wide lost that race it's over he needs a caution and he got it so he got a second opportunity um but even then it, it, he he was able he didn't get enough spots on the first time cuz he netted zero they eventually gave Hamlin the spot back and said well Harvick you're back to 7th and though Harvick takes the outside and really didn't do anything for him then either he just didn't have enough time so you just described exactly what happened to Harvick he took four tires, and, but I, I like how Harvick he took it like a man, and I think he meant it when he said, "It's what I would have done." He said, no, I and, and, and he's
0: too. right. I think I don't think it was necessarily a bad call. I, I, I I'm not I'm not saying like I'm not I'm not trying to like Monday morning me. crew chief this right. Yeah, but I don't I don't want to say it was a bad call because even Larry Mack was like, "No, you should be taking four tires here. You should be taking four tires here." It's just. I I was watching that race the whole time, and the number one thing that stood out to me was just how important track position was. And tires didn't seem to be that important in a short run; they seem to be really really important oh, yeah. in a long run. You wanted to save your tires, you wanted to get better tires in a long run, long green run run. But you know, what, in a short run, tires don't really matter that much. So, in, in my opinion, again, not trying to be Monday morning crew chief, but I kind of am here.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. if it's okay. if you're if you're, you got to look at that trade-off, like positions gained to lost, you know, you've got to look at that and say, okay, well, we're running first. We're we we're leading the race. If we come in and take four tires, we're banking on all our other competition taking four. And if they take two, we're banking on the fact that our car is going to be faster than their cars on four tires. I just don't think that was the case for Harvard. Again, four tires is always better than two. You always want to take four tires whenever you can. But maybe if it wasn't Phoenix, I would have agreed with that decision maybe a little bit more. Maybe if we were last week at Las Vegas and the same kind of situation happens, maybe I say, yeah, yeah, put no, four no, buys no, on and go back New out.
1: Hampshire. Huh? New Hampshire would have been a better
0: option for that. If you even then, thing. I don't know that I would have done New Hampshire. New Hampshire, I still would have probably taken it. New Hampshire, I'd okay. still okay. probably take track position. Okay. New Hampshire because it's it's all about the type of track. And the way you race the type of track, how many positions can you get? How many positions can you make up with uh, new tires in one lap? You know, because here's the thing. If you're going to lose, if you're going to go from first to like 10th or 11th, you know, you've got to ask yourself, okay, well, if we're going to lose 11 spots, 10 or 11 spots, how many can we gain? How many can we make back up by pitting? You know, are we going to make up five spots or are we going to make up back all 10? Or maybe we're going to make up nine. You know, what is the trade-off there? And that's a hard call to make especially when it's like you're you're thinking under pressure like that. That's a hard call to make. But that's why I'm just erring on the side of safety there. I'm like, well, here's the thing. If we if we take two tires, we keep our track position and we might lose one or two spots, but we're not going to lose a bunch more by having pitted and not be able to make up. So let's say you pit and take four and finish sixth. And you're able to carve through and you're able to carve through the field after restarting eleventh, right? Or you pit and take two and you lose all those spots on the restart, and you lose spots on the restart to cards with fresher tires, but you finish fourth. What
1: what are what what would you prefer to do in that case? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you at that time but you're ta- you're describing that and that's fine. Like you know how many people are gonna take two tires. You know? Right. I don't, I, that, that's, that's, right. so then you're like, on the same we're level not, playing we're,
0: field as these guys. So the likelihood that you're going to lose that track position is a lot less than the likelihood that you're going to gain track position right. from taking the
1: four tires. I, I think, uh, I, I think Kevin and them were hoping that, first off, less people would take two. Probably were thinking Hendrick was going to take two, but also was probably hoping he's going to get a better spread restart that, that was going to launch better in that. I don't even know what we're calling it. Dog like isn't even appropriate anymore. Um dang, what that they need to
0: oval?
1: I, don't... I don't even know the the uh, whatever it is, the concrete jungle um just was paved paradise. Paved paradise, there we go. The paved paradise there in Phoenix it just it just didn't play out for him. And if he was able to get a better launch, a little bit of run, people that, and he was able to just get better position into turn 1. And we're talking about something different. Maybe maybe off both three starts. It's just it's hard to predict, but yeah, I felt Harvick on that one and This is why we're not crew chiefs, Josh. This is why we're not crew chiefs. And uh William Byron's a two time winner this year. So, yeah,
0: I, I'm kinda bummed out that NASCAR ha- has already seen a multi time winner this early.
1: Well, he was the first two time winner last year too.
0: I know. No, well, still was it wasn't it was it was him
1: yeah, it was him. It was him because he wasn't back to that and was the second one, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't back to back though. It wasn't back to back. He went at Atlanta and Martinsville, yeah. and Chastain won at Coda and later Talladega. So those were the those were the first two time winners last year.
0: All right, Josh, outstanding performance. Who you got this week?
1: Yeah, RFK impressed me. Um, Brad was probably one of the losers in that last caution. Probably him and Denny and Tr- Ross were the biggest losers in those last cautions because I forget where he was running at time of caution. The first caution with the Harrison. Uh, Burton but he had like a top five going and he was not there by just happenstance he was there on legitimate grounds and uh, good to see that team running well and, and Chris Busher was kind of top 12-ish I think didn't have as a, probably a top 10 car but had a good uh, top 15 car whereas I feel like a year ago we weren't even talking about them their highlight was the was sucking at the Clash and then sweeping the duels. At this point, they were also Rans. big turnaround for RFK. So uh, I gotta give my outstanding performance to them. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna have to deviate from the NASCAR outstanding performance and go ahead and talk about the insane turnaround from Prema Air Racing in the Supercar Series. Uh this is a this is to put things in a NASCAR perspective I guess for you Josh. This would essentially be the equivalent of um uh Spire Motorsports just suddenly producing two cars that are fast enough in the top 10. Pretty good? Like just turning around just one season they're at the back, they're, you know, running constantly at the back, back markers and then the next season they're in the top 10 shootouts and finishing top 10 there you go like just out of nowhere like i i don't know maybe it's because, maybe i didn't watch supercars practice enough maybe i should have watched preseason testing or maybe kept up better with preseason testing but i tuned into practice and i tuned into qualifying and all of a sudden i see two of these prema air cars in the top 10 shootout and starting in the top 10 for both races and i'm like what the the same cars that were perpetually like dead last every race last year are you kidding me these guys are now top top ten. And I understand they got rid of, you know, they cleaned some house. They brought in uh, Tim Slade. They took Tim Slade away from Blanchard. They brought in Tim Slade. They kept James Golding, uh, who they brought in halfway last year to replace Gary Jacobson. Uh, and they got new sponsorship. I knew all of this, but I didn't expect such a rapid turnaround like I saw. I mean, they, OK, look, they had a great. Great start to the first race, but they didn't have that great of finishes. Tim Slade had a rough uh, moment on pit road, kind of cost him the rest of the race. But by the next race, here they are. They finished ninth and fourth. Golding was fourth and Slade was ninth. And after both, again, qualifying in the top ten for race two. So they have race one, they qualify in the top ten, and then have we're kind of rough rough ends of the races. But race two, they qualify again in the top 10 and have better races and stay in the top 10. I mean, this is just good for them. I just have to say, first of all, good for them, good on James Golding and good on Tim Slade because if you had told me last year that Tim Slade was going to have a top 10 in the first race of the supercar season after moving to Premier Air Racing, I would have said, no way, Jose, that is not going to happen. How is It's only going to happen if whole, whole field wrecks in turn one and he did it on pure pace and speed. So, give big, big props to to that squad right now because i i was I was very impressed to see that. That was something I did not expect to see when I was watching qualifying. And I'm excited now to see how well both Golding and Slade have for the rest of the season. Um, Josh, time for you to take us back in time with Roller's feature season.
1: Yeah, well, are going to wind the clock all the way back to 2001 uh, and the uh, stocked trucks of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, kind of doing a tour here with uh, introducing different series uh, back-to-back here. Um, the season started on February 16th at Daytona and concluded at California Speedway, Rip California, on November 3rd with a total of 24 races. Dodge was the class of the field. They won the first eight races of the season. And totaled a total of 15 wins for that manufacturer, for the Rams. Uh, Coy Gibbs finished 10th in the standings, capturing two top fives and seven top tens. Uh, Dennis Setzer finished 9th. He also won one race at Memphis in June. Rick Crawford was 8th. Terry Cook, 7th. Then 6th was Ricky Hendrick. He scored his only truck. Uh, win of his career in the inaugural race at Kansas and scored eight top fives and 19 top tens. Very good. Uh, Scott Riggs, uh, it was his best season in NASCAR, bar none. Uh, And uh, it was in the trucks this year where he won five times, Martinsville, Dover, Kentucky, Nashville, and Chicago Motor Speedway. Uh, Yes, that track. Uh, Captured 14 top fives, 16 top tens and uh, finished, uh, like I said, fifth in the final standings. So speaking of Chicago Motor Speedway, uh, that race that he won was the second and final time the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series raced at the one-mile flat oval in Cicero, Illinois, just outside of downtown Chicago. That was built by Chip Ganassi. It would close the following year after its final cart, fourth and final kart race. Uh, Travis Quaffle uh, scored one victory in the full race at Texas, finished fourth and final standings. Uh with eleven top fives and eighteen top tens uh after winning Daytona and Pike's Peak, Joe Rutman finished third in the standings, ten top fives, twenty top tens and if I told you Ted Musgrave won seven times in two thousand one that was homestead, Mesa Moran, Gateway, Milwaukee, South Boston, Las Vegas, and California. You'd probably think he was the champion after all, he basically won one third of the of the races that season, but he actually finished second. He had 13 top fives and 18 top tens. The 2001 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion was Jack Sprague. He won four times at Texas in June, New Hampshire, IRP, in Richmond. He led the series with 15 top fives, scored 17 top tens, and despite Dodge absolutely whipping everybody, he led a season high of 1,386 laps. But the most impressive stat, his average start was 3.5. So, if you kind of wanted to break it down for real, it was Dodges and Jack Sprague that were kicking everyone's butt. Sprague, this was his third truck championship, and it would be his final. And he remained, and he was the first three-time champion. The next one would be Ron Hornaday, and then later Matt Crafton. So, Ron Hornaday is the leading champion in that series with four. And then Jack Sprague is still tied with Matt Crafton at three championships. And I I didn't note it here, um, but I looked it up beforehand. Ford won twice in this season, both with Greg Biffle, who ran a part-time schedule. He started four truck races that year. Their only wins were a part-time driver. Not, Not good. All right, that was Roller's featured season right there. Rob, what's going on this week? right, Uh, we do have a couple of races
0: this weekend. Um, Let's see here, we are looking at a couple of races, sorry I was double checking, Uh, a couple of things. So Supercar is going to take a couple of weeks off before uh, participating in Formula One's Australian Grand Prix weekend at Albert Park, and that will be March 30th through April 2nd. Uh, but Formula One will be back this weekend for the third uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix on the Jeddah Street course. Hopefully it's not crazy. Um, NASCAR will take... Well, oh boy, we're going to Atlanta. New Atlanta! Yeah! Super Speedway racing that everyone else hates except me. Um, NASCAR takes Cup, Xfinity, and Truck to Atlanta Motor Speedway with Cup on Sunday and Xfinity and Trucks on Saturday. So big thing on Saturday, except uh, still minimal practice sessions, which is a bummer. Big yep. time bummer. Time bummer. Uh, but we still got uh we we're still a little whiles away until um the uh twelve hours of seabring. Um actually that is going to be yeah, the twelve hours of seabring is also this weekend. Let's not forget about that. Uh we have that is going to be uh Saturday, March 18th. It'll start at 10, 10 a.m. So uh 10 a.m. Eastern. 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh it'll be it looks like I've got I actually just pulled it up here. Um thankfully I have all the information right in front of me now. So we the looks like we're going to have USA Network will have coverage from 4:30 to 10:30. So it looks like USA is going to have the end of this the race. Um but the beginning of the race it looks like will and the, and all of the race will also be on Peacock. So that's good. Um Yeah. Yeah, good uh good weekend of racing. Looking forward to all of that. Um so Josh, I think that is it for our show today. Keeping it still under two hours, which is good. Um thank you guys again so much for listening to the show this weekend. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media if you haven't already. Um my name is uh you can find me at Rob Peters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S three three um josh can be found at roller underscore zero one r-o-l-l-e-r underscore zero one and the show can be found at robin roller spelled just as it sounds r-o-b-a-n-d-r-o-l-l-e-r uh we will be making sure to post updates to every single new uh when every new episode comes out we'll make sure to post updates it'll come out every wednesday uh if you subscribe but if you don't subscribe you want to follow our twitter um and so that you can find out when uh, every new episode is dropped go ahead you know, make sure to put on a little notification because we'll tell you, we'll tell you. Um, and also be sure to play around with the upshift, downshift. Tweet us, hashtag RobinRoller. Um, tweet us again at the show, at Robin Roller. spelled just as it sounds. Uh, you could tell us all of your feelings about uh, the upshift, downshift questions this week. So again, thank you so much for listening this week. For Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.